the qualities that it takes to build something from scratch, the qualities that it takes to be an elite level athlete are exactly the qualities it takes to build a company. Um, it takes, you know, once you have that subject matter expertise, you know, people are trying to commercialize cool opportunities coming out of the university. Now it's all about grit, perseverance, confidence, um, um, vulnerability, humility. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that we look for. And the, the higher the quality of the founder, the higher um, the chances are that it will, um, that we will fund them. And so again, it goes back to not only the innovation of things, but the innovation of ways. Are they just trying to create a better gadget? Are they just focused on their product and forget to see the bigger picture of how that product fits in the, in the environment around them so that more and more people can benefit from it? What do skating in circles and shaping the future of healthcare have in common? I don't know. Crystal Phillips? My name is Jeff, and this is How It's Med, the podcast where we chat with people who are shaping the future of healthcare and health tech. This time around, we rejoin our conversation with Crystal Phillips, the previous Olympic-level speed skater who now is the health lead of Thin Air Labs, one of the leading venture capital firms who is shaping the development of health tech in the great white north. Let's get started. Um, I've, I've got so many questions, but the, the, the next logical step to take is... So you mentioned that you go to these high-tech conferences where there are so many different companies, groups that have done research and are developing different solutions, different health problems, and that, you know, stepping back uh, into neurologic clinic can feel like, you know, quite literally a huge step back. Um, And I guess this is all under the umbrella of your work with Thinner Labs. So how did you get involved with that group? So I, I was executive director. I think I volunteered for full time for four years when I started the Bradshaw Foundation, which is why I worked as a nutritionist in a brain health clinic and also worked with elite athletes, including NHL hockey players and CFL football players and MFC fighters. Uh, I had a really cool breadth of experience as a nutritionist and also all kind of related to either sport nutrition and or brain nutrition. I also worked as a leadership consultant and learned how human dynamics work and how to lead a team and motivate and um, work with others and collect what I call unlike minds. Um, because when you have a vision as big as, as um, mine, which is to you know, build a healthier next through thinner labs and see a world free from neurological disorders through the Branchup Foundation, when you have big visions like that, obviously, you can't do it on your own and you can't do it with just someone else other people who think like you. So learning how to um, collect and inspire and and facilitate the the expertise of others has been like a very cool learning. So I did all of that while building the Branch Out Foundation with my co-founder, Graham. And we, I then transitioned and became a full-time employee of the Branch Out Foundation for a few years. And then, you know, they, they say there's a seven to 10 year itch with founders. And I think I started to experience that at around year eight, nine. And I thought, okay, you know, maybe my ideas are getting a bit circular and I need to have some new fresh perspectives in the organization because I want to grow. And I was feeling a bit stagnant. So I moved on to the board, hired a new operations team. And around that time, it just happened to be this like stars aligning kind of coffee meeting with the 
the founders of Thin Air Labs and James Lockery in particular, um, who had this vision for Alberta and looking at the opportunity from an economic perspective. He he also had recently sold his financial technology company called Wave Financial to H&R Block for over half a billion dollars. So that was very convenient for timing when it comes to, you know, having this coffee meeting with him, him telling me that he loves the, the health tech space. He sees a lot of opportunity there from an economic perspective. He also loves, loves uh, Canada. He wants to see more of the IP that's coming out of the universities across this country to actually stay in this country and build amazing jobs and lifestyle for people. And he also wants to invest and build great companies that have meaning and real human impact. So when he hired me with a handshake, I only pretended to think about it for like one Mississippi before I was like, absolutely, let's do this. Now it's time for all of that amazing research that I've had firsthand look at through the Branch Out Foundation to commercialize that, get it beyond academia. So we're not just, you know, promoting climbing an academic hierarchy as impact. It's about getting this research out of the labs, building companies with it, collecting more unlike minds to be able to go, go all the way from ideation to real impact at scale. So I am still on the board for the Branch Out Foundation. Um, and I, I co-chair the Bike Tour, which is our, our biggest fundraising event of the year in Panorama, BC. And then I lead the health sector and am headed of experience on the capital team at Thin Air Labs. And never did I ever think I would be a venture capitalist, considering my background is really skating in circles. But here I am today, and I'm so passionate and feeling so privileged to be here. That's a, that's a really interesting way to put it. But like, I guess... This- for for the for the for the person who hasn't been introduced to venture capital, and I guess from someone who might not even have exposure to venture capital from even like a health tech standpoint, from your standpoint as like what many would call perhaps a patient advocate, what is venture capital? Yeah. Because I think oftentimes you can equate venture capital, or it can be equated to like California tech, like moguls who like build huge companies, sell it off and live a life of luxury, but that's not really what it's all about, is it? Yeah, like for sure there are some parallels and uh, and the the show Silicon Valley is very relatable in many ways. Uh, I actually want to watch it again. I watched it at the beginning of my job, not really knowing what venture capital was myself. And now I want to watch it again to see how relatable it is. But uh, ultimately it's... Uh, like at Thinner Labs, we're raising a hundred million dollar fund. So we find high net worths um, individuals, we find family offices, uh, wealth management firms, and fund of funds and institutionals like big banks, uh, BDC, Alberta Economic Corporation, those kinds of uh, institutions. And we go after um, uh, um, meetings with them to include them in this fund to raise a hundred million dollars. And with that $100 million, we invest in early stage companies. So these are companies that are considered super high risk. And because of that, we not only uh, support them with funding and finance so that they can start growing their company and building from scratch, but we also have another part to our business, which is our startup services, where 
we surround those founders with the support that they need, either internally within Thin Air Labs or we do a lot of community advocacy across the country to find out what other resources and unlike minds are there that could help this company have the best chance of success um, and human impact at scale. So we have 19 companies in our portfolio, meaning we've invested in 19 companies to date. And we also work with those founders and help them with whatever they need in order to be successful. Mm -hmm. And maybe a spinoff question here is what do these different companies need to be successful? Because you had mentioned that it's important to take IP uh, that's, for example, sitting there uh, generated by the academic rat race and convert it into something that can help uh, hundreds, thousands, billions of people. What converts or what do you need or what do startups need to convert that piece of IP an idea in someone's head and the demonstration that the idea has legs into something that can actually become a product. Because I don't think that that's emphasized necessarily enough and that the hard work there is necessarily understood very much by many. I love this question because my answer is a little bit unconventional because my background is unconventional. I don't have an MBA. In fact, I don't have a university degree. What I do have is experience being a founder, building something from nothing. And I also have experience being a high-level elite athlete. The qualities that it takes to build something from scratch, the qualities that it takes to be an elite-level athlete are exactly the qualities it takes to build a company. Um, it takes, you know, once you have that subject matter expertise, you know, people are trying to commercialize cool opportunities coming out of the university. Now it's all about grit perseverance, confidence, um, um, vulnerability, humility. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that we look for. And so again, it goes back to not only the innovation of things, but the innovation of ways. Are they just trying to create a better gadget? Are they just focused on their product and forget to see the bigger picture of how that product fits in the, in the environment around them so that more and more people can benefit from it? Uh, those are the types of things that we look for because that's what we believe will truly um, build a successful company. And there are there's so much expertise in this world that whatever you're missing, we're confident that if you do have all of those characteristics as a as a human, as a founder, you'll be able to access um, the resources that you need, and you'll always find a way. Mm -hmm. I, I guess maybe a question that digs a little deeper into your answer there is. Uh, again, with your background as a patient advocate um, for, I guess, treatments beyond that which were offered to you for MS, how did that or how does that background affect your, I guess, perception uh, as to which founders uh, would make good candidates uh, for for funding versus not? Because conventionally, if you're thinking of a a uh, good founder, of course, grit, perseverance, subject matter, matter expertise, uh, expertise, a strong team, certainly things uh, that are valuable. But does your background change or add a different lens to that perspective uh, on top of what is you know, expected? Yes, it's one word. It's empathy. Uh, uh, having, having been there myself, it takes one to know one so you know how I identify. 
but even more so, you know how to empathize with them. It's not this like scary beating, hopefully, for the founder when they come and meet with us. It's about let's have a conversation and we understand what you're going through. Uh, let's work together to see what we can do. And if it's it might be investment from us, maybe it's one of our startup services that could help you, or maybe it's it's there's nothing Thinner Labs could necessarily do for you right now. Um, but there's a you know a community organization or another investor over here that's a better fit for you. So we have that deep empathy uh, for founders and respect for anyone who's willing to. Um, start a company from scratch it's it inspires us all daily yeah yeah that's fair enough i think like as well it, it takes a whole bunch of chutzpah to start a company in the health tech space because there's so many barriers in this space with regard to regulatory for good reasons um and and <laughs> otherwise but i guess given that why do Maybe I'm assuming here, but why do you and perhaps the founder of Thin Air Labs or Thin Air Labs overall, why does the group think that health tech offers such a huge economic opportunity if there's so many barriers uh, in the way? Um, and even and, and especially because like healthcare dollars are, are limited, uh, especially in a largely public system like Canada. It's a good question. We... We see those kinds of barriers in every industry. It's just, it's a different, it's a different industry, but similar problems. And even when I hear James Lockery, who was successful in the financial tech world, there's a lot of bureaucracy and barriers and security privacy issues that he's had to overcome in the financial tech world that are actually really transferable um, to the medical system. So it's, it's, really about having that optimistic approach, looking at what can we do? Um, how do we move forward as opposed to focusing on there's lots of regulatory barriers. There's lots of, um, you know, barricades along the way. Like we're all founders ourselves. So we think like a founder. And so that's, that's how we move forward is we look forward and we, and we see the, the possibilities and we go after them. Everything else is just a, it's a hurdle that we jump over, not a barrier that stops us. Yeah. It seems like, or networking is particularly important for both fields, but I mean, as yeah. you've been exposed to a broader network um, of different startups, venture capitalists, et cetera, what have been your favorite experiences or stories to come out of your time within our lab so far? Whoa, that's a big question. My favorite experiences, honestly, is the the founders that approach us and the cool ideas that they bring. Like you just never know what you're going to get when you have this new meeting with a new founder. And my mind is blown basically every day. And on the on the other side, so I'm either working with founders, listening to their pitches, understanding their problems and learning about what they want to do. That's usually like a big vision of themselves. That's inspiring to be around. Either that or we also get to work with investors because we're raising capital for our fund. And these are usually, you know, highly successful, intelligent people in the world who want to make a difference with their money. And they have cool backgrounds and stories. And, you know, they were often founders themselves and have their own, you know, scars and battle wounds that they share and um, um, can relate to us with. And so that 
the conversations are always at such a high level. We never have to really talk about the weather or, you know, where'd you get your sweater from kind of conversations. <laughs> it's usually very, um, it's very in-depth and interesting and sometimes philosophical. And uh, I know I'm not answering the question as like one moment, but every day, every week, I basically get to meet either a new or several new investors that are amazing and or founders that are amazing. That's the coolest part of my job. That's fair enough. And I think, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, if I were in your position, I, I would say the exact same thing. I guess perhaps <laughs> for, to rephrase the question, um, in your journey to get, I guess, acclimatized to your job uh, from your background of founding Branch Out um, and from your background of, as you said, skating in circles, uh, what were, I guess, the, the most important uh, and notable or inspiring or like perspective changing moments for you as you began to get into the VC world? That all the time that I wasted having imposter syndrome was time that I could have just kept um, using to move forward. And I know it's easier said than done, but I was hired for a reason. And if I took my own advice more seriously, especially at the beginning of this job, um, I think I could have learned a little bit quicker, but I wanted to, you know, be confident in my strengths. I just didn't know how they fit in venture capital. Now I have a good understanding and maybe it took, you know, the, the couple of years of experience for me to really get there. But um, if I went backwards in time, uh, I would say, like, stop having imposter syndrome, like work on your confidence and play your strengths and whatever you don't have, either learn it or find someone who knows it. The end. Um, and I, I probably battled imposter syndrome more than I um, want to admit, but I just did on a podcast. So there you go. There you Fair enough. I think imposter syndrome certainly is like it, it certainly I guess, I guess everywhere in every field, no matter where people are. And I think certainly going from, I guess, such a different and unconventional background to the space where you are now, I think it'd be even more reasonable uh, to, to feel like that overall. But as you've gained confidence, you've gained steam in working within our labs, uh, what's next for you? It's it's staying mission driven and and it even actually has to do a lot to do with the um the imposter syndrome if i was more focused on just our mission of finding amazing companies raising capital uh, i i would wouldn't have any space for imposter syndrome so now i feel confident in that belief and mindset and now i just stay mission driven so for me over the next 10 years I hope that we start to build the biggest venture capital firm in the country and we have several funds and maybe even having a health tech specific fund because although half of our companies in our portfolio to date is in the health sector, uh, we, we are sector agnostic because we look at all of the different sectors and I think that's really beneficial at the beginning because there's sector overlap that's really beneficial. However, for new funds, um, I see an opportunity to have, you know, one of the biggest health tech funds in the country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I guess just as, as, as a final probing question to that overall, what would the mm -hmm. benefit of having a health specific fund uh, be 
uh, either for Thin Air Labs or for companies overall that are that are I guess coming to approach Thin Air. The benefit is that we fill a significant gap that exists in the country right now, and that's access to early, early stage capital. We have um, more resources at that Series A level once a company starts to scale, but when they first are starting at that um, high-risk zone, there is few options for funding, and often we see those companies either fail and or move to the states or other places where their risk tolerance is considered higher and there's more funding opportunities at the early stage. So the reason why I see an opportunity for a big health tech fund is that there's more capital at that early stage available and we can start building more companies in Canada that stay in Canada. Mm -hmm. That's fair enough. And I guess before we close off, do you have uh, any specific uh, work or any specific, I guess, calls to action? Uh, that you'd like the listeners to to take a listen to or to look at? Well, thanks for asking. I, as, as someone who built a charity, you get good at asking for things. And I have two things for the audience to consider. One is go to the branchoutfoundation.com website, um, make a donation, get involved. There's uh, the Branch Out Bike Tour, which is our main fundraising event. It's a blast, amazing community. And there are so many opportunities to get involved from that perspective. So on the on the philanthropic charitable side, uh, Branch Out Foundation. And then on um, Thinner Lab side, uh, if you're a founder of a company, and although we're, we're focused right now with Fund One, in Alberta and the prairies, because that's where we see a gap and a, a great opportunity for uh, building companies. Um, come to me if you have a great idea for a company. And then on the flip side, if you're a, an investor or someone who's interested in getting involved um, as, as uh, an LP in our fund, a limited partner in our fund, an investor in our fund, um, also come to me and I can take you through our pitch deck, uh, introduce you to James Lockery and the rest of the capital team and look at this opportunity for not only um, great returns on investment, but also great impact on investment. Awesome. Okay. And you can check out our podcast at hello at, uh, at howitsmed.com or uh, at howitsmed uh, on any podcast catcher that you listen to. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of How It's Med. If you liked what you heard, please download and rate our episodes on whatever platform you listen on. Also, if you have any feedback on what you just heard, we'd love to hear it wherever you listen to or on our website, howitsmed.com. That way we can create better content that suits you. Until next time. Bye-bye.